We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And the last Lakers episode that we did while Mike and the Trudell clan were off winning regionals, we discussed the departure of Jason Kidd. And Thanks for the shout-out, Pete. Appreciate that. Yeah, you know, hey. That's right. We like I said, we got to update our baseball references one day with 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 your boys. Right, we'll be able to uh, add that into the podcast. We celebrate winners here. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that, man. That's, that's, right. that's what the film room is known for. Hey, hey, now, uh, and so we're gonna we're gonna start with that. But one of the kind of underlying questions in this, Mike, because we didn't get your perspective on kids' departure and kind of what that means and how to fill that space is. How much is determined, like the type of offense you run, how much is determined by your coaches and how they game plan and their approach versus the personnel that you have in both an overall like basketball sense on the NBA level, but also specific to this Lakers team? Yeah, I enjoyed listening to you guys break that down and get into it. And as I was listening, I'm kind of thinking, all right, you know, what what would I say? Right. Or like, what do I think uh, at this point? And the biggest thing for me and I think Frank Vogel acknowledged this right when he got the job is that the head coach is going to have some foundational beliefs and principles, and those have to carry through with him. Uh, so whatever that is, we know that Vogels uh, are, are going to tend to be towards defense to a certain extent. And then, you know, but he, his big thing was offensively. He wanted to evolve from his days with the Pacers and to an extent with the magic and embrace some of the perimeter game more without going too far. Uh, and, and still, so what he ultimately ends up deciding is that getting to the rim and protecting the rim are still the two most important things in basketball. But we have to also evolve with a three-point shot and defending the three-point shot. And I think that he's done that pretty well. Then the coaches that he brought in and that Rob Polinka and, you know, the, the bus family and everybody brought in around him, I think had their various levels of expertise. But what you guys hit on with Jason Kidd is that he's the one that's been there um, out of that group. Now, Phil Handy, in a different way, kind of has that credibility and the and kind of being there in terms of being in big moments in huge playoff games. Like, Phil was one of the main ones that gave that speech um, at Golden State. 
uh, in when he was with Cleveland and like LeBron was there for that. That really got those guys going. So like he's got some credibility there and he also has some credibility because he can teach a, a lot in terms of individually and in terms of a team. But just just with like the NBA resume that only so many guys have that LeBron can look to and be like, oh, yeah, Jason Kidd, that is significant. So there I think that make that would make some sense if there's that type of a player uh, that's out there that can come in. Or if it's a guy, you know, that that is either recently retired and hasn't gotten into coaching yet or even played this year. So those are all things I think that could come in. But Darius, how much that shifts, you know, what the Lakers do and like what play calls they have and what kind of offense they run, what kind of defense they run. I don't I don't see that as being super significant because it's not like the guys that they've already had there, whether it's uh, Lionel Hollins or some of the assistant coaches who are great or Frank himself. It's not like they don't know other ways to scheme and other things to bring in. It's just more like you have LeBron on your team and then secondarily AD and Pete hit on this in your guys' pod. You've mentioned it as well. So I don't see any massive changes in terms of what they're going to run offensively or defensively. But I do think that that from a filling, checking a certain box from a personnel standpoint uh, does to me provide some intrigue there. There's a very interesting discussion to be had right about the coalescing of roster and what the strengths of your roster are and what the belief system of your coaches are and how Mm -hmm. those how those two circles in the venn diagram overlap and where you can find the sweet spot and pete Mm -hmm. we had talked a lot i feel like about like wes matthews for example was sort of a different type of a shooter than Danny Green was, right? Mm -hmm. And a guy who you could run off of different types of off-ball actions and he could, you you know, he could be moving left or moving right. He can be coming off of a curl. He could, like, there's a bunch of different ways that Wes Matthews was comfortable as a shooter. Now, that didn't necessarily lead to... Right. Right? Like, that, that didn't necessarily lead to production, Right. But stylistically, the, the, the different ways that he could operate led to, I think, some tweaking of the playbook from what we saw in like the first year of Anthony Davis versus the second year of Anthony Davis. Right. And what that looked like, because we tend to look at player like player types like, oh, this dude is three and D. Right. And Casey Pizor that fits in that. Danny Green sort sort of fit in that. Wes Matthews sort of fit in that. But the types of actions that the team was running to try to optimize those guys was different. Like, I tend to look at that horn set that the Lakers ran a lot in Vogel's first season. The fact that they did not run that as often this past season leads me to believe that it was sort of like they almost saw that as like, Hey, this sets good for Avery Bradley or this sets good for Dwight Howard to kick it to you here. The stuff about the assistant coaches, there's going to be new players on, on the team next season as well. And there should be a fair amount of carryover as well. I'm super interested in in how this sort of comes together for the Lakers next year as we project forward. Yeah, I see there being kind of two branches of this discussion. Is There's one, which you're discussing, is the degree to which coaching staffs 
contour their offense to their personnel. Ideally, in a perfect world, the best coach the coaching job that you can do is be like, well, this guy can do that, and this guy can do that, but they can't do this and they can't do that. So I emphasize the things that they're good at, and I de-emphasize the things that they're bad at. I try to hide those things. In the example of, of Avery Bradley, ties into KCP as well. They essentially played the same position. It's why KCP in, uh, entered the offense for Bradley in part because of that handoff set. There's continuity from your starting unit to your bench unit. We can run this same play, and with the starters, it's Avery Bradley and JaVale McGee, a a vertical threat rolling to the rim. On our bench unit, that's KCP and Dwight Howard, and both guys can do the exact same thing. Now, there's not a perfect overlap and overlay, but Avery was really good at hitting that pull-up mid-range jumper from the elbow and could deliver that pass, but didn't have a ton of wiggle in terms of he's not – you're not giving him a, the ball at the top of the key and say, Avery, go run a high ball screen. Not too often, right? He can do it, but it's not a, a huge strength of his. So it gets him going downhill without having to initiate the ball handling. And from there, you can actually make the pass pretty well. That describes KCP too. And so that's one of the considerations when I think you put together a roster is if you can get that overlap. And it's difficult, right, to get two guys that are good, that serve the overall philosophy of what you want to do. And they're so similar that it's like, hey, we can play the same way all game and and this will work. When you can find that it's gold and it makes that combination of players the sum greater than its individual parts as a result of that. Now, the other aspect of this is with respect to the coaching staff, right? This is the other element of this conversation is who is this person that could come in that actually fits our philosophy, our personnel that can add something that fits what we do, which isn't always considered. I view it through the lens of generalists versus specialists. Generalists, we have a lot of generalists. That's a head coaching position, right? That's not, and there are all of these, again, these subtopics of coaching basketball where you got your player development, You've got your X's and O's guys. You've got your strength and conditioning. You've got your shooting coaches. You've got all of these different jobs within what coaching means. And different guys come up in different wings of that. Frank Vogel is a film guy. That's another wing of that. And so even by the time a coach gets to their to the head coach position, they come from a background, a certain denomination of basketball, if basketball were religion. And so that comes with strengths and weaknesses. And one of the things I look at with our coaching staff is we have a lot of generalists, but I do think that there's a place for some specialists, specifically on the offensive end, right? Like not somebody where you just, you just delegate, okay, you've got this game this week and that game next week, and you've been a head coach before. So you know, all of the elements that go into this. So you're a generalist and you're good at that. And those guys are really, really important. Some guy who's just a dork about offense, and that's like the thing that he does. I think there's a place for that, too. If you think about a coaching staff now, it's so different from how things used to be, where in the 1980s, when you guys were kids rooting for the Showtime Lakers, it was Bill Burka. That was it. That was the whole Uh assistant coaching staff. (laughs) The legend, the freaking great Bill Burka, um, who's doing well, by the way, just just uh, checked in with him a couple weeks ago, uh, hanging up and hanging up there in Santa Barbara. And then it was Gary Vitti, and that was the training staff. And that was it. It was Riley, Burka, and Vitti. Now you've got like 10 coaches, and then on top of – then there are guys that just come in for to work out the players. Like it's a, some, some have more than others. OKC has been, been rumored to have like 75. I mean it's not quite that many, but it seems like it. So 
it's a it's a whole thing. And so at the top of that pyramid is Frank Vogel in much the way that Pete was just talking about it. Here's what he's doing right now. He's watching all these playoff games and he's getting ideas. He may see a play that he likes. He may see something else he likes. Then in, in the back of his brain, since he's a coach, he's also thinking about his staff and he's thinking, OK, well, now Jason Kidd is going and he's got names. Right. So like there's this mm-hmm. whole process going mm-hmm. on with him, kind of like when the three of us watch the rest of the NBA. We may be watching for for uh, just the game, but we're also thinking, okay, how does this apply to the Lakers, right? Every time I watch the Clippers, I'm kind of thinking, all right, how how would this work if they played against the Lakers? And Vogel's got that the coach's hat on, and so the process is it evolves from from the time that they start, they go through the draft, then they go through free agency, then the ideas shift a little bit, then it's just the coaches and they're meeting all summer, like they're talking, then they get to summer league. And they have further meetings. Then they get to training camp. Um, once they have all of the ideas formed, like they've got the they've got the playbook. When but then they may change the whole thing based on the first practice at training camp, Pete. You know, in Darius. So it's mm-hmm. it's this is a thing that's going to live and breathe day to day as they add more to the piece. And and I it's just it's evolved so much. And there's so much work that can be done. And then uh, the the thing I always kind of to contradict myself directly when you've got LeBron James, it's a lot easier. Uh, to do to do a lot of that, and you can you can have all this stuff look great, uh, and then you're just like, well, we probably should give LeBron the ball, right? <laughs> a lot. So it can also be harder though from a coach's perspective, yeah. right? Like having LeBron comes with it's a double edged sword from a coaching perspective because you're not going to maybe be able to do everything that you think that's true theoretically could work. Yeah. yeah, it's both ways. Yeah. Well, well, no, I was going to say too that part of that is also there's no replicating LeBron. And right. So, Similar to that so, KCPA for Bradley point. Mm-hmm. So you build things out in a certain way in order to optimize your roster, but the head of the snake, there is no second head of the snake. Jerseys, you mean the sense of like, all right, if the if the Bulls in '98 had Kobe to come off the bench for Jordan, yeah, and then you know, or if if like you know, if you had if Luca and LeBron or something were on the same team, and it's like that's never going to happen with with uh, in the the history right. of the NBA for those elite stars, right? You usually don't have the dude that can just run it like while you're on the bench. One of the first Lakers teams that I covered in person and was credentialed to cover, I went to a preseason game, and it was the this is going to be fun season. So it was the, oh, uh-huh. the Kobe. Nash. So it was the Kobe Powell Nash and Dwight year. And none of those guys were playing in the preseason, right? Dwight is still recovering from his back injury. Nash is sort of in and out of the lineup because he's, I think 39 at that point, he was old. Kobe's aged already at that point too, right? I think Powell was sort of in and out of the lineup too. Like these are all yeah, there's no your point, core dudes. Yeah, no point playing the old guys. Yeah. That said, Mike Brown was the coach. And so it's a new coach. And it's sort of like, and he had, this was the year that he brought in Eddie Jordan to his staff. So it's Mike Brown's second season. And they were going to run the Princeton, Princeton offense. offense. And they were going to run the Princeton offense, right? And it was a pregame scrum, and I was there, and I asked Mike Brown a question about, like, hey, you've got Steve Nash now, basically. And Nash is this wizard. He is someone who is historically, like, you give him the ball, and it's like, this dude won MVPs. And the backup at the time was Steve Blake. Blake was a consummate professional guy. No one would mistake Steve Blake, though, for being at Steve Nash's level. 
So I had asked Mike Brown, I said, look, you know, you're used to giving a guy like Nash a bunch of responsibility. Like, do you feel comfortable replicating that same sort of freedom that you would give Nash? Are you going to give that to Blake? Too, or are things going to be more structured, particularly within the construct of of the Princeton offense? And Mike basically looked looked at me and said, "Like I'm going to basically treat both those guys the same, right? I'm going to give mm. them the same responsibilities. They're going to like we're going to ask them to basically do similar things. I've got a lot of trust in Steve Blake and this, this, that, and the other, which I saw as an interesting comment a because it showed a lot of confidence in steve blake but i also thought it was very much underplaying the idea of what you were going to ask of steve nash of course nash gets hurt and we never really know how that's going to look the way that season ends is tricky and everything else but that idea of yeah we're gonna tailor things to your best guys like, of course you want to optimize those those guys, but there's no replacing those best guys. And so finding the right balance on how to execute things. T- to me, Pete, th- there's no – there's a reason LeBron's on-off numbers are so skewed in his favor every single season. And it's not just because he's LeBron James and he's great. Right. Like, obviously, that's one of the reasons, but it's because there is no system to fall back on and say, like, uh, so much of the system is like it's this is LeBron. And and so when you're thinking about some of the tweaks or the 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 shift towards like, hey, it'd be great to sort of get like an offense only guy in in here. Do you is is part of that appeal to you the idea of bridging that gap some between what is expected with LeBron on the floor versus what's expected when he's off off the floor? Is it more optimizing the other guys while LeBron's obviously just going to be doing his thing regardless? Like I'm interested to sort of get more of your um, mindset around this. This is super interesting question, and let's take a quick break. We'll come back. I'll I'll answer it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I want an offensive coach that is going to be able to pay more attention to that than anybody else. It's more of an argument that I'm making on the difference between generalists and specialists than anything that any one individual is lacking, right? If you ask a bunch of people to be jacks of all trades, but not masters of none, there's value in both roles in having somebody that really their only job is to maximize our maximize us on the offensive end. And the thing about that is there's so many things, even our knowledge base here on like what goes into that falls way short of the ingredients that the coaching staff is is weighing in making these calculations of why we do the things that we do, why we run, run the offense the way that we, we do. And so I would like it to be somebody who is singularly focused on that, you know, almost in the way that you have a shooting coach, right? Like this is your job. This is the thing that you focus on. I'd like somebody who is able to do that, but within the construct of it being a LeBron offense and everything that goes into that. And a big part of what goes into that is being on the same page with LeBron. But the thing about, for as genius as LeBron is, and a few of the other guys on the team as well, they are generalists in themselves. They've got to actually go out there and play. They don't have time to put a couple hours into seeing the similar sets, uh, you know, uh, against this coverage and seeing when we're, flashing weak side cutter baseline versus that cut middle. All of that are things that take time that generalists do not have the time to put in. So that, Mike, is where I'm coming from on that. It's not a critique necessarily of a weakness of anyone, just the idea that specialists are important too. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting thought in the sense of who who has the best ATOs uh, in the world? Like, is there some coach in the third division in Greece right now that just has fire on a time? But so like I get that that is kind of a, a thing that I think, especially if you're the Lakers, like you should always be looking for the best and the brightest and the greatest. The trick is, can you find somebody that's a specialist to that degree that can come in you know, to a to an already established coaching system and an already you just referenced it, right? LeBron James and say, hey, look, here's this guy. He's specializing in offense. You know, let's let this coach run this meeting, you know, and and so that's part of the thing to kick back. I think that part of the ways that you could address that is have them pick that guy, right? Like have the brain trust of the existing team, not have this guy from the outside, like forced upon them. But I, I would love yeah, to it see. It could also be like Mike D'Antoni, just as a, as a name, not, not that <laughs> this is, I mean, like, I mean only in the sense of a guy that was brought to mm-hmm. the Nets, right? To, because he's the offensive guy. Can you put the system in? Not necessarily the ATOs. So I didn't mean it had to be a third division coach. It could be anybody. It could be one of the great, it could be Phil Jackson, uh, from from the top on down to uh, whatever coach in the, in the third division somewhere. But like the other point of this is just if you if you find that uh, that like that that coach to come in and put in some type of a system and we just acknowledged how tricky that is with LeBron and what you're going to run like if he's on the floor, if he's not on the floor, well, this gets back to the point I was making about Utah all year and what like the reason I wasn't a believer. Now, again, part of that's personnel. But part of that is because they have the system, 
They drill it. They know exactly what they're going to do with it. And then if you stop it, they don't have anything else to go to. So it's mm-hmm. a, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't have the thought and the, the Lakers can't find a way to be better in certain, er, in certain circumstances. Uh, but it's just, it's complicated by all of those other factors as well. And that's why, again, we could probably, we could spend a lot of time uh, talking about this and, and it's, and, and I'm enjoying it so far. This is one of the reasons why I think that if you talk, if you listen to Rob Palinka talk, almost everything is viewed through the prism of a talent play. And they want as much talent as possible. They're always looking mm-hmm. to upgrade their talent, 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 talent. Mm-hmm. And it's why the idea of as much as sometimes, and this is where I think, Pete, this is the bridge that I think that you're referencing, is that the Lakers, it's probably in their best interest to still be reliant on the talent of LeBron James and the talent of Anthony Davis of to be the backbone of your offensive system. Regardless of what what you run, yeah, it's what not you even run more is about, going to be. It's, it's it's about optimizing them, right? That's exactly what I was going to say. It's not like oh, this guy runs the best plays that no one's ever seen. Like that's not even really how basketball X's and O's works, right? Like it's like oh, no one ever thought of doing that. With I mean, anyway, I, it's more about somebody whose entire focus is how do we get the best out of when LeBron's not on the floor. How do we get the best out of the LeBron and AD pick and roll? There's so many details involved in basketball. I just think that should be someone's full-time job. Just a philosophical belief. It might, it might be, by the way, they like, there, mm, there, mm -hmm. there, there are some guys that probably are focused on, on some of that in part, but I guess it it gets back to that point of how high on the, um, on the ladder does that person need to be? And then is it a Steve Kerr type system like versus Vogel versus a guy that likes to do everything himself. Right. So like, those are all the layers that you refer to yourself, Pete, is that we, we, are pretty close to the team. And we still don't know exactly what happens in the room like that. One of the things we do know though, Darius is that it's going to be the LeBron James system, right? It's not going to be the Steve Kerr system. It's not going to be like, it's going to be within a fairly defined set of parameters. Where I was going with that too, is the idea of there is still an emphasis on the details and that's where the bridge is. You can help LeBron. LeBron is such a standalone talent. You can sometimes act as though, all you need to do is give LeBron James the ball and he's going to be effective. Mm-hmm. And to us and to a certain extent, maybe even high in terms of how certain how, how to how much of an extent that 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 is. That's true. That said, forgetting that you can actually still help him be even better. You can never let allow that to sort of slip into your thinking there should always be the idea of what can we do to help the stars and in turn what can we do to help the role players exceed what they've been doing and optimize them even more and some of the lack of that that happened this season i think is attributable to so many factors that were the strangeness and and sort of debilitative nature of what this past season offered the team. But it would be a mistake, I think, to think only that this isn't now an opportunity to re-examine what those approaches should be and have that thought process in mind, A, when they're thinking about the replacement for Jason Kidd on Vogel's staff and B when they're evaluating the players that they want to be a part of the team next year and beyond. 
I think when we start to have more conversations as we get deeper into to the offseason, some of our specific thoughts on players like KCP and Kuzma and THT and Caruso and all of these sort of surrounding guys and Dennis and Trez and everyone else about are they going to be back? Are they not? If they are, what should it look like for them? Like, are there places where they need to improve? Are there places where the Lakers need to improve themselves? And maybe that does not involve these guys after all. There's a bunch of conversations to be had about those things that I think will play into how all of this melds together. For sure. And the thing that I am, the name that I think we have said the uh, the fewest amount of times, or at least the name that we should be saying a lot more is Anthony Davis. And like, I, he's the guy too, that like we, yeah. of course, LeBron's going to come first in almost every basketball conversation um, in which Michael Jordan isn't in, but Anthony Davis, what's going to happen? What's his season look like next year? Uh, like does I, how much of that is structured around what the Lakers do decide to do schematically, or like, does that even come up? Like what does Frank Vogel think right now? about, all right, I know for sure Anthony Davis is on the team next year. We'll see what the complimentary pieces are. But he himself, Pete, uh, deserves a whole stack of, uh, of play sheets. And so I'm, I'm just curious, and we can, we can get into this specifically later, but I, I, I do think AD's got to get a lot, uh, a lot of uh, this type of discussion. Mike, you could argue that it's more important to build it around Anthony Davis in that LeBron will build it himself. When LeBron's on the court, we're fine. There are varying degrees of that. We yeah, will he'll, be he'll figure out how to get a good shot. Find yeah. a great, right. Like when LeBron's playing, it's going to be a great unit by, by and large. Um, and obviously you want to maximize that, optimize that as best you can. But it's when LeBron's off the floor and this is during the regular season and in the playoffs, this happens less. But as we can see, as we see when guys go off the floor, Paul George went off the floor and like it's 10 points get shaved off. This happened with Luka Doncic a ton in that first round. He'd sit for three minutes and get a breather. And it's like a three point game when it was a 15 point game. So this does matter in the playoffs, even especially as LeBron gets older. I think that we the the less we have to bake in LeBron is going to do something superhuman into the calculus, the better off we'll be. Because I think that he is getting older, right? Like the, the less he'll be able to do that physically. And so um, maximizing Anthony Davis, Darius, and those lineups, those can be the ones that are most discombobulated, discombobulated the ones that are most uh, dependent on structure that perhaps that type of coach could provide. I always think of the phrase like, help me help you. And in some ways, the Lakers have to be looking at AD and sort of say, like, help me help you. What does that mean in his instance? For AD, it means maybe you have to commit to playing more center than what you've been playing. Maybe you, maybe you have to commit to rolling more in the pick and roll rather than popping as much like maybe it does mean like we actually want you to post more rather than post less and maybe it does mean like all right well you're a mid-range killer but we also do want to see your three-point rate go up a little bit because little tweaks in his own game allow the team to build out certain things within the context of a half court offense, particularly that are going to help optimize the players around him 
in ways that make their lives easier that that then in turn make his life easier too so much of like hey we want to cater to anthony davis and and i think that that's right we want to optimize anthony davis and yes that's right but some of that is also going to have to be well what are you going to do to help us accomplish that i think back to lebron's like second year with the heat mike and basically spolster was like look man we're gonna put you in the post more like we're gonna play smaller Bosch is going to play more five and he's going to space. And that means you're going to not only drive more, right, but we're going to post you more. And this was something that LeBron had sort of been hesitant to do in earlier on in, in his career. But I think one of those seasons, Mike, he shot like in the high fifties on two point shots. And it wasn't just because he was getting layups and driving all all of the time. He did improve as a jump shooter from two-point range as well. But a lot of that was just like, look, I'm 6'9", 260, and I'm now doing this thing that I really wasn't doing before as much. And it... I'm not saying AD needs to, like, to revolutionize the, the, like, the way that he plays. He's Anthony Davis. He's great already, as, as is. But... When Pete, you're saying, what does that look like in terms of help me help help you? I think about some of the things that are a little bit more on the margins of his game that could be more focused for him that probably will help him be more productive and in turn help the team. I love how you put that. And that's it's sometimes to try and make it as simple as possible. LeBron and AD in the court, probably going to be fine, probably going to figure out they're both dominant on both ends. But if you, you've got this whole offseason now, you've got two years of them being together. You've got you've got now tape when one was in, when the other was not. Like There's a lot to go off. And I would just I would love to be kind of the, the fly on the wall when Frank Vogel and whoever the new assist, maybe it is the type of coach Pete was talking about, right? Maybe it's some other ex hall of famer, whoever that is. I would love to hear those discussions and specifically about, Hey guys, we got Anthony Davis, right? What's like, what, what should we be doing with him? Is it as simple? Like what are the actions that really worked great? Like how much of that should be at maybe we, we tilt now the level that we put that in uh, versus some of the LeBron stuff going into year 19, uh, or maybe not, I don't know, but that's, that is to me a, a whole fascinating thing within itself. That's what we're replacing in a basketball sense is a voice in the room. One of the many people that go into that idea of I, an idea can come from anywhere and it can flourish amongst the group. And who is that voice and what does that voice sound like? And what background does that come from? I think having that diversity of voices in a multitude of aspects, right? This is this person's specialty. This is this person's personal background as basketball is basketball has so many dimensions to it that there are all these different people that have these jobs that the average fan doesn't see, but that contribute to the overall basketball organization and the team that you see on the floor that in all of these sorts of ways. And I think, and maybe this is just a, this is just something that I believe about basketball as opposed to just the Lakers, that I think that there should be someone who, when they speak up with their voice in that room, they can say, I spend all my day on just this. And that doesn't mean that their opinion is going to win at the end, but somebody who just specializes in offensive basketball and in maximizing 
that and that's they don't have to worry about the the all of the other elements that go into game planning and things like that i think that'd be helpful for any coaching staff but just again this is a fun thought exercise we have none of the decision making but i hope everyone enjoyed listening to this conversation i really enjoyed it all right we'll be back tomorrow with uh talk some more about the nba playoffs but until then you've been listening to laker film room podcast we'll catch you guys next time james has got it in low to mikhail mikhail wants to turn his double team just pass out of front broken up by worthy to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic. Got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Here by McLaughlin. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant. 48 points. 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA a lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, score. Unbelievable. It's over. And shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.